0: Live at 5 Sports at Todd and Suhan brought to you by Prairie's Edge Casino Resort. I want to ask Jim about the wild game last night, but he told me he'd just left the Twins press conference. So what did you hear there, Jim?
1: Well, it's actually kind of an informal year-end thing where the Twins are actually fantastic about this. Not all organizations are. We just sit and talk, you know? Mm-hmm. And, you know, with Derek and Rocco, I don't even know if I'm supposed to say out loud, but we, we do this. It's kind of almost a private thing. Yeah. So they just give us a window in what they're thinking. And it was yeah you know, honestly listen did the season end the way they wanted No, are they disappointed they're heartbroken but man, there's a lot of optimism going forward with this group you know Rocco talked about how proud he was of this group, how if he could bring them all back, he would. It's not realistic, but uh you know just kind of they really feel feel like they're set up to win here mm-hmm. for the long haul, and they don't really have a lot of needs, you know uh so it's going to be it's gonna be really interesting how they proceed here. They do, uh, I think I can say this, they do have some optimism that Byron Buxton is going to uh, get a knee procedure that's going to relieve the patella that has been such a problem for him, ah. and they do hope, plan for him to be in center field at some point next year.
0: Boy, that's terrific news. Hopefully that does indeed work, because that's a tricky thing to deal with, that patella tendonitis, as they've found. He's been dealing with it for a couple of years now.
1: Yes. Uh, and, uh, you know, obviously the, there's a cyst behind the knee, which makes, you know, everything problematic. Um, but one of the real problems they're dealing with, is, is beside the cyst, beside the, the historical problems he's had, is that that patella tendonitis just kept cropping up every time they... Got him to a point where they thought he was going to be ready to play, yeah. and it's you know it's technical stuff is like a fat pad they think they can trim. Uh, they've been going to a bunch of specialists, and I think they I think they had the surgery like very quickly here, and they say it's not as lengthy a recovery as last year's surgery entailed. So they really are hopeful they get him spring training and give him a chance to play at least at least be a part time center fielder, if not a full time center fielder.
0: You know, another thing that the Twins did uh, last off season that prepared them to make this run in the playoffs, and it is a run they made the second round and lost to the world champion Astros, was they did a nice job assembling a bench. Uh, that included uh, Michael Taylor, Solano, uh, Castro, uh, uh, Farmer, guys like that. Uh, how many of those guys will be back, do you think?
1: I think they really want Castro back. Uh, I think... Taylor's an interesting guy. Uh, I don't know if they'd get him back, but he said he would be willing to come back, and he certainly fits. Mm-hmm. He can be your everyday center fielder if you need him to be. He can be a fourth outfielder if you need him to be. He can pinch run. He can pinch hit. He's a good guy. He's a pro. Uh, I could really see something working out with Taylor. Um, I, get, you know, I, I think I told you before that I wasn't sure that uh, they're going to bring Polanco back. I mm-hmm. think I'm getting the sense they are going to bring Polanco back, ah. and that Brooks Lee is going to be organizational depth and have to fight for a spot and maybe wait for an injury to get his chance, which you know does happen. I, I think they're really happy with this group in a lot of ways.
0: Mm-hmm. How about uh, Solano?
1: Um, I I know they love him. Mm-hmm. And he performed extremely well, and he's extremely versatile. And at the very least, his depth and pinch hitting and, and potential platoon hitting, uh, I think he fits. Um, you know, can, he's a free agent, so you know you can't guarantee that you can just automatically bring somebody back. But I do think there's interest.
0: Yeah, you know, I know I think
1: Kyle Farmer. Kyle Farmer might be the guy who doesn't fit. Okay, uh, because he's going to he's probably he would probably make six seven million through arbitration, and they love him. He's a great guy. He's a great teammate. He played his role well. But you know, if Correa is healthy, he just doesn't isn't going to play all that much. Is that worth seven million dollars?
0: And and Castro too is in a little bit of that arbitration situation, isn't he?
1: Uh, yes, but I think they I think he's an easier decision to pick up.
0: Yeah, the, the speed and the defense that he provides, no matter where they play him, uh, certainly and he can key. play
1: center field and he yep. plays shortstop. He play third base. He's just perfect for them.
0: Yeah. Uh, you know, I saw somebody compare Sonny Gray's upcoming free agency situation uh, to that of uh, uh right-hander for Toronto. His name escapes me now. Uh, he was their third starter this year. Yep. Uh, I can't remember his name right now. But anyway, he got a three-year $62 million deal yep. for his that age 34 now. to 36. Yeah. So six year. what did he get, three years and 62 or something like that? Is that where Sonny Gray's uh, ballpark
1: is? I think Sonny Gray thinks he's better. I think Sonny Gray is better. He's one of the best pitchers in the majors this year. This is the last chance of the big contract. Mm-hmm. My guess is he's talking to people today. My guess is Sonny's working for like three years, seventy-five, maybe three years, ninety-five. He can really drum up a market. Mm-hmm. That is a lot of money. Uh, they love Sonny. Sonny said he loved it here, uh, but he also said, "Hey, I earned my free agency." And I, I, I my gut tells me he ends up in St. Louis. St. Louis, interesting. Uh, he, you know, he's this Tennessee guy. He can drive home in the off, on off days if he wants. Uh, right there's a great fan base. They, St. Louis desperately needs starting pitching. That, that would be my guess right now. Now, maybe the market doesn't play out the way he wants. This would be a nice, soft landing spot for him, but my guess is St. Louis or something like it.
0: Interesting. Chris Bassett is the guy I was trying to come up with Chris his Bassett, name. Yeah, yep, uh, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so you're, were you at the Wild game then last night, the season opener? I was.
1: Yeah. I was. And, you know, kind of a pleasant night. They, yeah. did a, they, they, they played it up all big and then the Minnesota kid scores the first goal and right. that's his first career goal. Uh, he's a really personable young guy. He's 21 years old. He handles everything very well. Very intelligent player. Uh, you know, last year they started off they were a disaster for the first three games, and that wasn't a reflection about the season are going to go, but it was hard to watch. Today, they, you know, they really had a couple of nice answers. They had Faber looking like he's absolutely ready to be an NHL defenseman and a top-tier defenseman, and they Gustafson, first game after signing a contract, played great.
0: One of my podcast partners asked me one time about a month ago if I thought that uh, owners ever put a little pressure on their general managers to find the local kids if they could to help attendance obviously i think more people attend the more uh local kids you have do you think that goes on and does it happen with the wild a little bit
1: at at, at the most it's a tiebreaker mm-hmm. it, they don't go looking for local kids they don't sign people because they're local kids uh being local can actually cause some problems um, it, it's harder, it can be more pressure on a young player, mm-hmm. more distractions, more more worries, more ticket stuff. Um, so they don't look for it. If it ends up being an added bonus, great, but they do not look for it.
0: Yeah. So Faber just kind of... And,
1: and honestly, it doesn't really... I mean, I I, I covered a lot of uh, games mm-hmm. where Kent Herbeck from Bloomington, the World Series hero, was a starting first baseman, and there are 18 people in the stands. Yeah. You've got to win to draw. Yeah, people, don't, people do not come out and say, I'm going to spend my money because he was born here. They come out because they think you have a chance to win.
0: Except for how many tickets did Faber say he was looking for for that, that opener? It was kind of chemical yes. when they asked him about it. He said, oh my gosh, there's so many people. Third cousin's yes. coming out of the woodwork. So that's the pressure you're talking about.
1: Yeah, and it's just, it's just an extra layer. And it kind of drove Joe Maurer crazy, too. Um, it, it, listen, it's not that big a deal. It's it's a little overblown. Obviously, Joe Maurer enjoyed playing here. He could have found a way to play elsewhere if he really wanted to. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's just another it's just another layer of things to deal with.
0: Yeah, that's for sure. Vikings and Bears on Sunday. If the Bears win, I think the Vikings are about a, a field goal favorite. Is is that kind of it for the Vikings for their playoff hopes?
1: I would think so. Um, you know, I, I hate hate. Saying things are must win until math gets yeah. uh, devastating, but you know then you're looking at the 49ers and you're looking at very realistically one and six, and that just that's just too much, you know. Mm. I so I would say if they lose, then they're gonna. I think I think the na- the nation has decided that the season's over and it's time to trade everybody. <laughs> I think if they lose on Sunday, then the Vikings will have to start having that conversation. They have not had those conversations yet. Yeah. Here's the flip side. There's very real possibility the Vikings win on Sunday yep. and the Lions lose at Tampa, and they're two games out of first place with 11 games left and two games left against Detroit with Justin Jefferson coming back in a few weeks. That would be a different conversation.
0: And after the Niners game, the schedule gets a lot easier.
1: It does. It does. Not, you know, not, not gimme easy, but certainly yeah. more, much more manageable.
0: Vikings are the, the team that blitzes more than any other team in the NFL, and it's kind of a fairly significant lead over the second place team. They're going to keep doing that against Justin Fields, and will it work?
1: It, it feels like that's. Flores, you know, it's, it's fascinating because Donatel thought the way to hide his defensive liabilities was not blitz. Flores feels like he has to blitz to make something happen. Um, I would think that Flores is going to have some kind of a scheme where blitzing, or at least rushing from different angles than expected, and yet he still has somebody ready to play a spy on field. These fields can go go 40 in a heartbeat. Yeah, You know, this is not somebody who's going to scramble around and pick up five yards. This is somebody who will rush 50 yards for touchdown if you're not right in space. So I would think that Flores is going to be very creative this week.
0: Give us a prediction. My prediction? Yeah. Um.
1: I'm going to say Vikings 20-18 in an absolute just ugly elbow-throwing late field goal duel uh, that they absolutely have to have, and they pull it out.
0: Jim, thanks so much. Thanks, Todd. Live at 5 Sports with Todd and Suhan, brought to you by Prairie's Edge Casino Resort.